So I'm going to speak from the book of Nehemiah tonight. So flip on over there. And I'll just exhort for a few minutes. Just once more ask the Lord to come and speak to us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I humble myself before you, God. Knowing that this is your thing. This is not my thing. And I'm glad to be a part of your thing. So Lord, do all you desire in us, I pray. You charge us. Call our hearts. Call our hearts into your thing. Help me declare tonight and exhort by the Spirit. Hold my hand, I ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. So we, uh, as a house, um, as a house of prayer, I know there's several of you are, are visiting and several are part of our community and there's different staff and different levels of folks that are here that are at different levels of involvement in the house of prayer. But just as a house, over the last several weeks, we've been coming through the fire um, we had uh, several different tragic things happen in a very short period of time. Um, we had a, a death of one of our, our community members. Her son was killed in a hit, hit and run accident. And then that same weekend, one of our staff members was also hit in a hit and run accident. And he lost his leg, Caleb Graves. And, and he's now out of the hospital and at home and doing amazing. I just was with him this week on Thursday and... They were, they were projecting his timeline that he wouldn't be out of the hospital for something like six weeks, you know, be in rehabilitation and all that for, you know, six plus weeks. Well, he's home in under three weeks. I mean, it is stunning. I mean, I get, you know, you have a thousand plus people praying for you from all over the world, literally. You're going to get healed a lot faster than the average guy. And that's what's going on with him. And his spirit is, is so bright. And he's sharing the gospel with everybody. It's just, you just can't get around him without him declaring about Jesus right now. And uh, it's been on the news. How many have seen a, a news report? I mean, multiple times it's been on the news. And he was on Channel 2 last week and just talked about Jesus. It was, oh, it was precious. And they said, what do you want to say to the guy that, did the hit and run. He said, well, I got to say this. He said, the same love that I have in my heart that compelled me to get out of my car to help that man and, and to push his car, he said, that same love I have for the guy that did the hit and run, and I want him to know that I am not offended. I'm, I forgive him, and I love him, and, and Jesus loves him. That's what I want him to And they put it on the news. I'm like, well, come on now. And uh, it, was, it was sweet because I got to sit there. I was sitting there with him when, when it came on the news. And we just, that, his, his hospital room is like the glory zone because everybody's praying and there's like a portal in there. You walk in, you're like, whoo, the Lord, the Lord is in this place. And so he's, he's doing awesome, just doing awesome, more than ever. There is a deeper drive and resolve in my heart to accomplish what the Lord has put before us as a house of prayer. And more than ever, you know, we've said often, if you don't quit, you win. But more than ever, I'm just, I, am, I feel so encouraged in the Lord to stand our ground and to fight 
for what he's given us. And so you have to put in perspective, there are always going to be trials that come in life, always challenges. And uh, I'm a lot better than I was last week. Last week I was pretty much a shambles. My wife is a rock. She'll cry for a day and be like, God is beautiful, he's good, and everything he does is good, amen. And just move on. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, I'm, I'll be a mess. I'm, I'm like, if I can just say this, I'm like the woman and she's like the man in those situations. And uh, you ladies, I can totally empathize. I'm there. Sometimes you can't control that emotional thing. You're trying to get it back. It won't come. That's me. I, that happens when my wife's like, God's good and all he does is good. Let's love Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> this is how I'm made. But the Lord, is, he has encouraged our hearts, you know, through it. And I feel a strong resolve, a grace that I, that I really, uh, I mean, I've had strong resolve, but in our earliest days when we first started doing this, doing night and day prayer, I felt such a determined, uh, a, just a determined zeal to take my watch, to build this wall in Atlanta to see night and day prayer happen. And we started in 2004, and it took us 16 months to build 24-hour prayer. That's ridiculous. There's only one other place that's done that. It's Kansas City. And so we're the second group that's gone with live worship and prayer. I'm talking about worship-led prayer meetings that are live, that continue ceaselessly, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We're, We're the second group in the nation, and they tell me in the earth. I'm sure there's somebody somewhere, but... That is ridiculous. That's uh, way out there. That's way beyond anything I uh, could imagine because uh, you have to put that in perspective. Since Genesis 1, since in the beginning, in this region, there's never been a continual worship and prayer meeting to the name of our Lord until now. And here we are, we're a part of it. And, and that, that's not something to stick our bird chest out about and go, look at us. That's just, that should just make us tremble over the grace of the Lord. You just go, whoa, what, what have we gotten into here? And what has God got up his sleeve? The fact that he would release that in this time, in this place, I'm talking about uh, the, this region, it's only... <laughs> It's only good. I mean, there, there, he's got some stuff up his sleeve like we have never dreamed. And, um, and so, I just want to say this. Walking through this fire that we've walked through, uh, it's, it's increased my resolve and it's given me, it's, it's, it's reminded me of the early days when we first started the House of Prayer in 90, uh, 2004. And uh, did I say 94 earlier? I meant 2004. But, uh, and we started doing prayer meetings 40 hours a week. And, um, you know, I mean, several, several people were in the prayer room 40 hours a week to see that night and day prayer would begin to get built. And uh, I, was, I was personally leading like 10 intercession sets a week, which um, that's 20 hours of prayer where I'm actually leading it on the mic. And that's what happened to my voice. (laughs) 
I went from having a nice, smooth, singable voice to gravel and sounding like Lou Engle's little brother in the, in the period of about three months. I mean, it was just bam. But there was such a resolve in us to build it. You know, just that, you know, that movie, Field of Dreams, if you build it, he will, you know, they will come. But we were like, if, if we'll build it, he will come. But just having that resolve to build a throne for the Lord that he would come and and get his glory here in the city. And hasten unto hastening the day of the Lord. Hastening the return of the Lord. And if you're wondering what we're about. What's this night and day prayer thing about. It's not mostly about our encounter service. Our encounter service on the weekend is a time that we come together for corporate worship and encouragement in the word. So we can get about our main thing. Which our main thing is loving and worshiping and praising Jesus in the prayer room 24-7. That's actually our main thing. So what happens, you know, the other uh, 164 hours a week that we're not in encounter service, that's the main thing that we're about. And it's a kingdom outpost of continuous worship and prayer unto his name. It's an on earth as it is in heaven reality. Because in the throne room of heaven, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worship and prayer at the governmental center of all created order. Well, the Lord releases that on earth for there to be governmental centers of worship and prayer on the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Why? For kingdom expansion. He's releasing it across the globe right now. We're in an epic hour. I mean, things are shaking. Things are happening. It's unusual. And we're in the game somehow. In the game, in Jesus at the end of the age. I you know, God knows how he, how he sets everything up. And he, he, he called us into the game in the last two minutes for kingdom purposes. So uh, I've been really just reading through Nehemiah. And just paying attention to this book this last week because of the challenges we walked through. And where the Lord's taken us. Because we're not who we're going to be. We're not who we were five years ago, obviously, but we're not who we're going to be in five or 10 or 15 more years. And um, the book of Nehemiah is so powerful, and I'll just set it up real quickly, because uh, it's powerful because of the building aspect that Nehemiah engages in and all the challenges they have to overcome. So Nehemiah is a steward to the Persian king who's... Persia is basically, they own the whole Middle East at this point. He's in Susa serving the king, and he gets word that Jerusalem is still in shambles. Now, the Israelites had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, and now they're out of captivity. And it's been 70 years that they're out of captivity. And they've rebuilt the temple... But there's no wall around the city, so the city is unguarded, unprotected. Nobody lives in the city. They just are scattered throughout the whole region. And so Nehemiah in Susa, he gets the word that it's kind of a shambles. The wall is wrecked and things aren't going well in Israel. And so he gets a burden from the Lord. He begins to cry out to God and pray. And the Lord puts it on his heart to lead a team to build the wall around Jerusalem 
And if you understand Nehemiah, the key, the reason why he's doing it is to secure the city unto there being a continual worship and praise to the name of the Lord. He's trying to secure the city so night and day prayer can continue unabated and people can inhabit that place. That's really where he's going with this. And so he gets favor with the king. He prays. He says, Lord, grant me favor with that man, talking about the king. And he comes in one day, and his face is is forlorn, and the king says, why are you sad? He says, how can I be joyful when my people are scattered and the city, the, the key city of my nation lies in shambles? How can I be joyful? He says, well, what do you want? He says, I want to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And the king essentially says, all that's in your heart, go for it. Go do that. And so here's, here's the situation. Around Jerusalem, there are other nations, nationalities, that have sort of regional control underneath the Persian Empire, and they don't like the Jews. And so they're really happy to see Jerusalem still in a shambles and the, Jew, the Jews not flourishing. And they're trying to keep Israel down. They're trying to keep Israel under their thumb. And so Nehemiah shows up in Jerusalem, surveys the situation, and begins to get a building plan together secretively without uh, the, the other leaders of these other uh, warring, marauding nations uh, knowing about it. And there's two key guys who are, you know, essentially they're Ammonites. One is Tobiah and one is Sanballat. And those are the two key guys that are trying to make sure that Jerusalem doesn't flourish. And so here's what happens. Nehemiah leads a group and they begin to build and it stirs up the animosity of these surrounding uh, marauding armies, nations. And for our purposes, I just, just think about Sanballat and Tobiah, think about them as the devil, because <laughs> that's what it's like. Whenever you begin to build for kingdom purposes, the enemy begins to get upset. When a true kingdom outpost begins to get built, the enemy is going to get stirred up. So they get the plan in place, they begin to build... And the enemy begins to get upset, but something happens, and it changes the complexion of everything, and what it is, it's when they actually build the wall halfway, but it's completed all around. And so in Nehemiah chapter 4, we get the verse. I've basically given you the cursory overview of the first three chapters. They've built the wall now. They've been building for some days. Oh, one point I missed. I love this part. Individual families took a section of the wall together, and they took responsibility over that section. They said, this is our section that we are going to build. And they would build, uh, you know, father and son uh, and, and all the family there together, they'd be building that part of the wall. That would be their job. And the families were next to one another building the wall all in concert. So they build it. They, they connect it all the way around. 
And, uh, and they join it to half its height. So here it is in verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people, I love this phrase, had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. It's the grace of God moving on their heart and causing them to just, just throw themselves into the job, to just go for it. They had a mind to work. So it's halfway up, all the way around the city. The gates are not in place yet, and the wall is not completed, but they've got, this is a major uh, sort of checkpoint that they've passed. But look at verse 7. As soon as they get that place, now it happened when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Here's the thing. You know, you can have a great vision in God. And, and the enemy doesn't like guys to have visions in God. Guys and girls, people in the kingdom, to have visions. And he'll try to discourage you from the vision. But he's not really that concerned until the vision actually gets legs and begins to live and breathe. And when the thing begins to actually happen, there's, it's, it's the Joyce Meyer New level, new devil. The enemy gets really serious about stopping what God's doing. And and here's what tends to happen with us in the church. We start doing something in the kingdom, and all of a sudden, attacks come, challenges come, difficulties arise, and, and what we tend to think is, well, this isn't God anymore. Because, you know, I had a mind to work before, but man, it's hard now. And, and I think, personally, there are literally thousands of kingdom things that God has begun to build through the church over the years that when the attacks and the assaults of the enemy came, the people of God pulled back believing God to be shifting the direction when truly all it was was the adversity of the enemy coming to try to thwart the kingdom working. And it's in that moment that the people of God have got to say, just as I had a mind to work when there was grace that I could feel and sense, I also must have a mind to work to give myself one, it's hard. We, we imagine falsely that a, a, um, a lack of ease in a task is a lack of grace. That's not true. A lack of ease in the task you just means you need more grace to plumb, plumb on through, to plow on through. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean there's no grace for it. Come on. 
We use kind of hyper-spiritual language sometimes. You know, we're going in God, it feels so good. We're just flowing along. Oh, it feels so nice. Oh, I just feel the grace of the Lord. And then we hit a roadblock. We go, oh, I feel like the grace is lifted. As soon as we hit a little roadblock, speed bump, boom, boom, whoa, what was that? Grace is lifted. You don't have any verses for the grace lifting. <laughs> we enter into grace by faith. That's what Romans 5 says. By faith, we enter into grace in which we stand and rejoice in the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulations, they produce perseverance. And perseverance produces godly character. And godly character produces hope. And that is not to be despised. Why? Because of love. We hope in his love. And here's the point. If you're going through tribulations, that doesn't mean that grace is lifted. It means it's an invitation into perfection in love. We've misunderstood challenges entirely. God allows trials and tribulations in order to produce a root and a strength and character and real hope. Not in what man can do, but in only what God can do. Because that journey is going to ultimately take you to perfection in love. So here's what happens with these guys. As they're building the wall, they, get, they hear about this conspiracy. But look at verse 10. It's, a minute ago, they had a mind to work. They built the wall up halfway around. Verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish, we are not able to build the wall. They were able 10 minutes ago. It's amazing how you don't see the obstacles when there is no attack. Get a little hint that you're going to die. Man, this is hard. It's impossible. Can't do it. I feel the grace is lifting. Let's go build, you know, they could have said, let's go build a family life center. <laughs> the gym, you know, we'll draw in lots of people, play basketball. I mean, let's not build this wall. It's a bad idea. Nothing wrong with the family life center. I'm just, I'm just using it as an object lesson. They could have changed and tried to build anything else at that point because the, the threat was real. Beloved, the threat was real. Nehemiah goes on to say the Jews that were living in the land, and the language is a little bit difficult, but basically the scholars tell you this, that the Jews that were living in the land, they basically say this. If the, uh, Nehemiah says this of them, that he goes, if they told me once, they told me ten times, we're going to die because we're surrounded by the enemy and they're going to attack us. So all the Jews that are out on the outlying areas of Israel, uh, outside Jerusalem, they're seeing the uh, Ammonites and the Ashdodites and all these other armies beginning to muster. They're going, it's any day and we're going to get slaughtered. <laughs> and, and Nehemiah goes, if we heard it once, we heard it ten times. The threat was real. But it's amazing how the threat will change your perspective. How the attacks cause them to say, we cannot do this because there's all this rubbish. So Nehemiah changes the plan. He gets... Different people positioned and, and different people uh, uh, ready to fight. 
and, and to protect. And in verse 14, he says this. To the leaders and the nobles and to all the people, he says, four things. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And this is the way I break it down. First thing is, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. We have an enduring hope. If God is for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And beloved, for us to live is Christ, but to die is gain. You can't take anything from me that I don't already have that's eternal. I told my wife, I said, I, you know, this is how I feel. Devil, you're going to have to kill me or lose. Because I'm not quitting. And that's what Paul said. He goes, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because it's, there's nothing you can take from me that's not, that, that, that's of any real value because my, my possession is already secured in heaven. He says, don't be afraid. And then he says, remember the Lord. Awesome, great and mighty. Remember the Lord. Don't fear. Think about who's got you doing this thing. Think about whose grace is sufficient. Think about who's going to enable you over the attack. Think about who's going to protect you and take care of you. Think about the Lord. Don't be intimidated. Get your eyes on Jesus. And then he says, fight for your brethren. I love that. Because there is this thing when the, when the attack gets on where you just fortify ranks. You just grab arms and you just say, you know what, by life or by death, whatever glorifies the Lord, I'm here to the end, and we are going to fight for one another. This is how we do. We're just going to fight for one another. And I've seen that. I've seen that in our community in just a beautiful way. As, as people rallied around Emily Strong, and they rallied around Caleb and, and their families, and just, I mean, Fighting in prayer and blessing and serving and giving. People that don't have any, they don't have any business trying to give and they're giving because they don't have anything to give but they just give out of their lack to bless. They're fighting for one another. I love that. You get a people who will fight for each other, there's not much the enemy can do, do to them. I mean, they just, they're gonna just hold arms and fight through. God's grace will carry them right through. And then he says, so he says, fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. See, I put that group, that, that, that he goes, fight for each other and fight for your future. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. Fight for what God's promised. Fight for the vision. Fight for the day ahead. Fight for where we're going. In other words, he's saying we're not always going to be a people who have been scattered. We're not always going to be a people with a half wall. Fight for what's coming. And man, I feel that. And I, I feel like that work of Romans 5 where he says, glory in tribulations because it produces perseverance. I feel like that steel rod is being placed in my backbone. I've had a lot of resolve, but I, 
I feel even an, an additional whatever from the Lord. I feel a, a, a strong resolve to continue to fight. And so what, what ends up happening is this. Nehemiah takes half the group and he says, you guys are the warriors, the other half of the group, you guys are the laborers, but all the laborers, I want you to put a sword on your side. So they had a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other, and they continued to build the wall while they were prepared to fight. Did you know they finished the project in 52 days? 52 days, they built a wall all the way around Jerusalem. Every person doing their share, every family working in concert, not afraid of the enemy's attacks, looking to the Lord and fighting for one another. 52 days. Oh, it's powerful what God worked through them. Well, what ends up happening, and I don't have time to go through it all, but essentially... They, they, I mean, they almost took Nehemiah's life on five different occasions. They had all these ambushes set for him, and, and God brings him through, and they finish the wall, and, and then what ends up happening is they go into a season of incredible revival to where even they get up and just read the book of the law, and the people stand and listen to it for three and four hours. And the word of the Lord hits them so hard, it's piercing their hearts. They're just reading, and it's blistering their hearts. And they go into travail and wailing and and fasting and seeking the Lord. And the whole nation turns back to God through through this encounter. It's just powerful how God uses it. Well, it's a picture of every kingdom outpost that the Lord builds. It's a picture. He gives us this picture to encourage our hearts. And so where I'm at is this. I want to say something to our community. And I want to say it to you. We cannot imagine that because we've been going for five years, night and day, that that equals the wall being built full height. It's easy for us to imagine, well, if you've been going for five years, you've got people on the platform, the whole thing's it's basically done. Praise the Lord. No, beloved, we are the halfway built wall that doesn't really have its gates in yet. That's where we really are. That's where we really are. We're not what we're going to be. We're not what we used to be. Yes, we have the wall built all the way around, but do you know how thin this wall is in certain spots? I mean, interview some of our staff sometimes. Wait, interview some of our section leaders sometimes. Often, our section leaders are running around. Come on, Tolu, he's about, he's about to laugh. 20 and 30 minutes before a, a, a worship set that's getting ready to start, and no, they don't have anybody to lead it. You know, a person came up sick, they tried to get a few, you know, fill-ins, didn't have it, and our section leaders are like, they've got a book of anybody that can say the name of Jesus, you know, and beat a bongo and read the Bible. I mean, just, it's, the bar goes real low at that point, and they start smiling and dialing. They're like telemarketers, (laughs) trying to get somebody in here to build the wall. Now, I know you don't realize that because we don't publish that, but that's how it goes a lot. 
It's not like that all day, every day, but it happens a couple times a week probably. Is that right, Tolu? Andrew, is that right? Yeah. And these, these guys and girls that are our, our staff and section leaders, I mean, so, you know, sometimes you'll come in the room and you'll think, wow, that person, they're not that great of a worship leader or a singer. Yeah, but they're up here with a sword and a shovel and they're doing it. They're doing it. And, and what it is is, yeah, the wall is thin and the troops are few. And the money is lean. <laughs> That's real. Which is actually one of the main problems they had when they were building the wall. They are getting discouraged because they'd left their jobs to go work on the wall. They didn't have any money. So similar to building the house of prayer. So I want to say real clear, our wall, though it's complete around, it is not built all the way. And honestly, we need people who will take responsibility for a section of the wall. Families who will even say, these you know, several prayer sets a week, we're going to be there, rain or shine, no matter what, we're going to stand and fight. You go, well, wait, well, how does that equal, how does me being in the prayer room equal building the wall? That's how we build the wall. By giving ourselves to, to night and day prayer, to giving our heart to this thing and building an aroma of incense that's exponential in terms of the, the numbers. And, and, and when it's exponential in terms of the numbers, it's exponential in terms of the impact. See, two hours of prayer with one person versus two hours of prayer with five, we've just changed the, exponentially changed the, the amount of prayer that's gone forth by just adding a handful more in the room. Beloved, that's how we build the wall. We give ourselves to our main thing, to our mandate. Understand, our mandate is night and day prayer until Jesus returns. It's night and day prayer until Jesus returns. We're not going anywhere. Lou Engel came here, through here in 2009. He said, uh, he said, Billy, I want to I preach about not giving your father's inheritance to Jezebel. And he, and he talked about, uh, oh, what was the guy's name had the vineyard? Naboth. He talked about Naboth's vineyard and how Naboth wouldn't make a deal with Ahab. He wouldn't give his family's inheritance to, to, to Ahab and to Jezebel. And it, was, it cost him his life. He made a covenant with the land and it cost him his life. But it ended up being the undoing of Jezebel because the prophet comes after Jezebel deals treacherously and has Naboth put to death. And he declares the word of the Lord to Jezebel that she will die on that very spot where, where she had Naboth executed. And do you know his stand on that land is what brought down that stronghold, that Jezebelian stronghold over Israel? And, and here's what Lou said to me. He goes, Bill, I want to preach on this. He goes, but I have to know that you're not going anywhere. I said, I'm not going anywhere. He goes, are you sure? I go, I'm sure. He goes, all right, I'm going to call everyone to make a covenant with the land that we wouldn't give our father's inheritance to Jezebel in this city, but we would build this wall until God releases a kingdom breakthrough in the city and brings the downfall of Jezebel over our city. Now, if you think that's like spooky mystical language, I will tell you that was the most right on prophetic word to our city. 
and to us as a people. And I tell you, I, I said that day, I said, yes, Lord, I'm in, I've been in, and I am in for the duration. And then, you know, what happens is you have all these theories about your Christianity, and it gets tried and tested, and then you try to, what happens is, coming through the test, you get to find out if your theory of Christianity is actual reality. And I'm just, I want to say this, I am so grateful for the challenges and the trials that we've walked through, because it's taken much of what we declare and what we believe from the theory realm to the reality realm. And, I, and I just, I'm just glad about it. Because, you, you know, you want to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in all the way for Jesus. But you don't know what you're going to do with the test until you get to take the test. You, ever, you remember when you were in school and you had to take a test? You're like, I'm going to ace this thing. You show up and you're like, whoa. Is this Japanese class? Like, what is this? And you get to take a test or two and you get to find out the quality of the Christianity that you're living and what's in your heart. You get to find out if he's still beautiful when it feels like everything's falling apart. Is he still good when it feels like everything's bad? I want to declare to you, he's beautiful, he's good, and all he does is good. All he does is good. He's given us a mandate to build night and day prayer in this place. And so I want to challenge you. I want to call you. I want to ask you. I want to compel you to, to seriously consider. I mean, a lot of you guys just show up. You know, you have another church you go to, and that's, that's great. And you show up to our Sunday services because you feel the Lord or whatever, and you like our worship. And that's awesome, too. I, I, I'm so for that. I'm, I'm so excited for that. But I want to really ask people to take a hard look at your, your schedule. And, and to figure out where you can lock in and help build this wall. Being in this place, praying as part of a community that says night and day, his name is great and glorious, he's worthy to be praised, and I will take my watch. I will take my watch and my stand on the wall and, and make sure that a stone is not crying out in my place. I guarantee you, our schedule works for you. guarantee you <laughs> it works for you I promise it does I just take that, that I'm just going to take that excuse right out of there oh my schedule no ours I promise it works 6am is a great hour to pray you know what I really felt like the Lord just encouraged me and I feel such an energy on it to do in light of these challenges, pray more. And I, I, I did. I, I just reworked my schedule and I added three or four prayer meetings. I want to go for this thing. There's coming a breakthrough in the city of Atlanta. It's going to come through night and day prayer and many, many others that are fasting and praying around the city. We've got our little portion that we're going to hold up. And I want to call us to go for this thing. The wall isn't all the way built yet, guys. Don't imagine it is. It's halfway. The gates aren't in yet. But I'm telling you, there's, there's a day coming when this thing is going to be full strength. We're going to be hitting on all cylinders. We are going to see power and glory released 
like we've never dreamed. He's promised. And he's going to keep every promise. He's going to make good on every promise. And to be quite honest, if we hope in the glory of God, we won't consider what we have and what we own and our own lives dear to ourselves will actually sound like the early church. It'll actually be apostolic Christianity. Saying yes to God without regard to our own preference and pleasure, but hoping alone in his glory. I love that in Romans 5. It, I'm telling you, I came in last Monday and I was so, I don't know, I was just, I was, I was whirling. I, I, it was like a fighter who's been hit with five jabs and he's kind of off kilter for a minute. And I got Romans 5 out in front of me. He said, by grace, you enter into faith. And we stand in that faith and we hope in the glory of God by that faith. And ultimately, beloved, that's it. We're not hoping in our own glory. We're hoping in his glory. And he goes, because of that, we rejoice in tribulations, knowing that it's doing all these things that's gonna bring us to perfection in love. I want to go for it. I want to go for it. Somebody goes, well, you kind of are going for it. No, I'm ready to go for it twice, double. I I like what Paul said. He He goes, I thank God for the grace of God that's enabled me to labor more abundantly than all. I'm not looking for grace to sort of get me off the hook. Some people use grace to try to get them off the hook. Well, you know, it's just grace. You know, the Lord, you know, he's got grace for my lazy butt. You know, that's, <laughs> no, he is grace that will compel you into the game to do things so far above what you ever dreamed. I shouldn't be leading this thing. It's not in me. I, I, you know what I'm saying? I'm not that cool. I'm not good. Look around. We're not that cool. How in the I do that in our staff meeting in case I go look around the room. Whoa, okay, don't get discouraged. But wow, the fact that the Lord is using this, woo! It's a every day is a miracle. I walk in and our, our the teams will be in their briefing. I'll walk in and I'll go, "You're doing it again." They'll go, "What?" I go, "You're setting a record." It's never happened before in the city. Every moment you pray, every new set you do, it's never happened before to this extent, and it's for the beauty of the name of Jesus. You're doing it again. I want grace that will compel my heart to labor abundantly for the Lord without regard to what it quote-unquote costs us. I beloved, beloved, I promise you, I promise you, Whatever you think it's quote unquote costing you in this age, it will be paid back to you so lavishly in a day to come. It will be so silly to ever think that anything for Jesus costs you anything because the reward will be so ridiculously off the charts. Oh my goodness. That's basically it. 
I want to go for this. And I, I want to call us to, to get out of our comfort zone. And you know what? I'm just, honestly, here's where I'm at. I'm going, I'm going to fight for this thing. I want you to come fight with me. Come take a portion and fight with me for this. With our community, fight. Don't, don't just enjoy the services. I appreciate the fact that people come to our services and, and, and bless us and, and, and so financial. I appreciate all that. But come and fight. We're in a moment we need to fight. We need to fight. We need a, a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. We need vision that will compel us to fight. Amen. Good. I want to pray for us. Let's go ahead and let's just stand. I'm not putting anybody on the spot, but I want to pray together. If you'd say, you know what? You, look, you might be visiting, and this might be a new thought. You don't worry about it. I'm not, I'm not even, if, it's, if, it's, if the Lord's speaking to you, that's great. But I, I want to just say, whosoever the Lord is dealing with your heart, saying, you know what? I need to take a portion. I need to look at my schedule hard. I need to add a prayer set or two. I need to figure out how I can take an additional portion and help build this wall. I want to pray with you. I just want you to come. Just come. I want to pray together the group that will take up a sword and take up a shovel. Don't imagine that we're built, beloved. We're not. Just come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we do. We stand before you recognizing that we are in a unique hour of time in the earth. We are in a unique place. That you would give a night, day, night and day prayer here in the city of Atlanta that's unreal. So God, I'm asking, put the sword in our hand and put the shovel in the other and put courage in our heart. I pray you'd release that Zechariah 3, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Just release it over this house. God, as you're adding additional laborers, would you release courage to our souls? Courage. Fill us with courage. Fill us with courage. Some of us, you, you can't, you know, you drive 45 minutes, and to do this, you'd have to, like, kill all your family time. I understand that. Some of us, our job is to help support financially. Maybe the Lord would speak to you about that. To, to increase your giving toward the missionary support. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, even tonight, and show us our portion of the wall. Show us our portion. I don't want to be compelled by shame, but out of vision... We want to say yes to all you're inviting us to, God. That's it. Out of vision, we want to say yes to all you're inviting us to. And I'm asking now for grace. I'm asking for grace. Grace to enable us, as Paul said, to labor even more abundantly. Not grace to get us off the hook, 
but grace that compels us to deny ungodliness. Grace that compels us to say yes to righteousness. Grace that compels us to seek you, to stand, to glory, to hope in the glory of God, to rejoice in the glory of God. Grace that enables us to glory even in tribulations. I'm asking for that grace, grace, that Zechariah, grace, grace, the grace, grace to be released to our soul. Grace, 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 grace. Not a feeling. Might in the inner man that compels us to stand. Divine enablement. Divine enablement deep in our soul. Grace. I want to invite our staff, our interns, just to begin to lay hands on these, just that there be an impartation of a resolve. Come, Holy Spirit, even now. Community, leaders, anyone. Yes, zeal. Let zeal for your house consume us. God, we thank you for what you've given here. We say yes again and again. We say yes a thousand times yes. A thousand times, yes, God. By life or by death, that Christ would be magnified in us. That Christ would be magnified by life or by death. Whatever. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And even more, we rejoice, even through tribulations, knowing Knowing they produce perseverance and character and hope that doesn't disappoint. Be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and marvelous. Fight for your brethren and fight for your children. Yes. Yes. Mind to work. <laughs> yes. Labor in prayer. <laughs>